New ideas, thought-leading opinions, and the latest ways of working. This is the School Leadership Podcast. Hello and welcome to the final episode for this academic year of the School Leadership Podcast. In this month's episode, we'll turn our attention to the topic of exclusions and hear about a new charity that's doing pioneering work in this complex and often challenging field. Engaging content and revealing insights. In conversation with James Bowen. School exclusions is an issue right at the very top of the government's agenda currently, and it's no wonder why. After a period of steady decline in the number of pupils being excluded from school, in recent years we've begun to see a worrying reversal in that trend. Indeed, the government's own data suggests the rate of exclusions is rising to almost 7,000 a year in England, and that's the equivalent of more than 35 permanent exclusions every single school day. Rising rates of exclusion not only have a significant impact naturally on the individuals concerned and the schools, but it also has a long-term impact on society at large. Research has shown that every cohort of permanently excluded pupils will go on to cost the state an extra £2.1 billion in things like education, health, benefits and the criminal justice costs. Now, a new education charity... The Difference, founded by former teacher Kieran Gill, is determined to do something about this alarming trend. Through their two-year Difference Leader programme, the charity offers existing leaders in mainstream schools the opportunity to work for two years in an alternative provision setting. Throughout this programme, leaders benefit not only from getting experience in AP, but also from an intensive accredited training programme. So the hope from this is that some of this new community of leaders will then go back into mainstream schools so they can share and cascade their knowledge with the ultimate aim of reducing school exclusion. Our Director of Policy and NAHT Edge Director James Bowen met with Kieran and her colleague Sean Brown to find out more about the charity's work and began the discussion by getting a sense of where the idea for the difference came from in the first place. It's grown out of a piece of research that I did. So after I was a teacher, um, I then worked in social policy and I was working for the Social Mobility Commission where we were thinking about how how do people kind of... Um, How how does education help people um, grow and change their outcomes and maybe break a link between a very difficult beginning and a life with much more opportunities later on? So at that time, I was working there and I was again and continually thinking about how poverty interacts with schooling and education. Um, And I became really fascinated in that minority of, of pupils who, when I was teaching, you know, came in and looked a bit vulnerable and needy. And, you know, we had through year seven, year eight, year nine, a bit of bumpy time in year nine, year 10, year 11. Actually, by the time they left us, they weren't that different. They were still very vulnerable. And I wanted to know what happens to those students. Um, I was particularly interested at that time in permanent exclusion figures, which were, well, by now standards, quite low looking. Um, It was about 6,000 students a year who were permanently excluded. And while I was working for the Social Mobility Commission, I thought, that can't quite be right. I think it's a much bigger group. So I left that job with the aim of trying to really unpack a little bit where were some of those most vulnerable children and what were their education journeys. 
And that took me to spend a whole year researching um, not just exclusion from school, but the life chances of the most vulnerable children. And I saw a really fascinating and frightening pattern, which was that the most vulnerable students um, were very likely to be falling out of the system. Permanent exclusion was a kind of marker of that. So uh, by the time I finished the project, it was 7,000 children a year being permanently excluded. Um, but actually, falling out of the system in lots of other ways, maybe through um, through managed moves, um, maybe through uh, off, something called off-site, off-site education, which is where a school can kind of subcontract the education of students. And actually, there were many, many more children than we previously thought being educated in this sector outside of mainstream schools and outside of special schools, the alternative provision sector. And I tried to uncover, why is this happening? Um, and I went to go and speak to head teachers, to um, governors, parents, students, um, and main scale teachers about what the patterns were that they saw. And essentially, they said that there were just more and more children um, with quite kind of complex needs. So some of those might tip over a boundary. They might mean that that child was designated special educational needs and have an education healthcare plan. Um, but some of their needs might not tip over a boundary. So uh, they might have a parent with mental health problems, but actually not interacting with social services. Um, or they might have a learning need, but hadn't been officially recognised, or they might be living in poverty. Um, and that might be impacting them on, on a day to day basis. Um, so lots of different needs kind of overlapping with each other, some of which, you know, might mean that you get extra funding for targeted support and some of which doesn't. And actually it was that growing group of children with lots of different things going on that school leaders were saying to me in my research, we don't necessarily know how to address the needs of these students. Um, we don't necessarily have any training for our senior leaders in, say, how to work multi-agency or how to work effectively with parents. And we don't necessarily know how to spot some of these students before their behaviour um, starts to become extreme and things tip over into exclusion. And it was actually while I was doing that research that I met Sean. Um, and, and one of the patterns that we found in this research was that there was this whole other sector, the alternative provision sector, serving these students. And I'd said before, 7,000 permanently excluded, but actually the number of children being educated in the alternative provision sector is 60, uh, sorry, close to 60,000. Um, so a much, a much greater group of pupils. But actually, as a mainstream teacher, I'd never been to the pupil referral unit that served children we permanently excluded. And I didn't know anything about the schools and that worked in that sector and what they did. Um, and I was interested in both finding out more about that and more about how we can prevent exclusion and what, what happens in mainstream in really inclusive schools when I met Sean and heard his story. Sounds like a great point, Sean, to, to, to bring you in and, and hear your perspective on this. So my, my backstory is I was a mainstream teacher for seven years. I became, was a head of department um, um, in Pucking and Dagenham um, eventually. And I then found myself much less interested in my career and my role as a, as a head of department and much more interested in students who were, were struggling in the school. And I chose to leave that position and I went to become a teacher in Tower Hamlets Pupil Referral Unit um, and I spent 10 years working in Tower Hamlets Pupil Referral Unit um, and the last five of that, so the sort of second half of it, um, I was the head of inclusion for the Pupil Referral Unit across all of their sites and did quite a lot of work both 
taking students in from mainstream schools and in and, and part of their kind of introduction to the PRU and also the reintegration back um, into mainstream schools. And I got a massive amount from that experience. It really helped me develop an understanding of um, not just the kind of specific needs that students might have had, but the interaction between different sorts of need that a, that a child might have within a mainstream school and how that interaction, that co-occurrence of those needs um, led to the difficulties they experienced, led to the difficulties the mainstream school would experience trying to support them that, that, that placed them in the pupil referral unit. Um, and then I became really interested in what what could I do with that understanding, with that experience what would it be like to go back to a mainstream school in a senior leadership position and, and, and would it be possible to, to to work in a different way and to set up systems and culture within a mainstream school that actually looked to address and recognise those needs earlier and provide support within that school that, that might reduce the likelihood of exclusion and and, and help to help improve outcomes for those students within within a mainstream sector. So I spent the last three years working for Thomas Tallis School um, and had an amazing time as a deputy head for inclusion there. Um, really significant impacts on levels of reducing levels of exclusion, improving attendance and developing uh, trauma-informed practice across the whole school and the way that that interacted or integrated with uh, with, with the school's behaviour um, policy, with the behaviour support system within the school. And then um, was in conversation for the latter part of that time with Kieran about what I had done and we were talking about the IPPR report and what, what the next step would be for creating something that would... Um, shape and change um, the way that leaders um, could work in a mainstream setting and and I guess what kind of occurred to both of us out of that conversation was the experience of working in great alternative provision is really enriching because of the, the expertise that you're surrounded with and the opportunity to work with with children and um, who have experienced real challenge and the agencies that support them and, and what if we could create something that enabled mainstream teachers to have that experience with a package of training that they could then take back into uh, a mainstream school? And from that, the Difference Leaders programme has been born. NIHT EDGE is a new type of teaching union aimed specifically at teachers with leadership responsibilities. As a member of NAHT EDGE, you'll benefit from access to a wealth of leadership resources, practical advice and support with your own career development. You can also watch our new series of bite-sized CPD videos on the NAHT EDGE website. Membership is just £13.50 a month or £8.10 if you're part-time. Head over to our website to find out more. regular and useful content on the teaching profession it has to be the school leadership podcast the school leadership podcast it's time now for the second part of our featured interview with kieran and sean from the difference in this half kieran and sean talk about the vital role leaders play in creating an inclusive culture in their schools so you've mentioned about leadership 
in that. I'd like to draw out a bit. What sort of role does leadership play in all this, would you say? Yeah, so essentially leadership um, in the research that we did really made the difference between inclusive local authorities and ones with high exclusion levels, between really inclusive schools um, and those that were less inclusive. And what we realised when we set up the difference was that essentially we need a career route which really strengthens and sustains leaders committed to inclusive practice serving their local communities that over the last five years we've invested lots as a country in developing professional development for teachers, in teaching and learning, but we haven't thought about really applying the same data-led, rigorous, evidence-led approach to training to cope with all the other needs that pupils have, you know, their mental health needs specifically and their well-being needs, their, their safeguarding needs. Um, so the difference is about trying to raise the expertise and the status of educating the most vulnerable learners by by creating a really high status and competitive career pathway for teachers. So if I've understood this correctly, you don't really work with sort of the pupils and the children directly, but it, it's about working with particularly the school leaders. Could you just tell me a bit more about what does that look like on the ground? Yeah, so we run two programmes, the Difference Leaders programme and the Inclusion Leader Training. So the Difference Leaders programme is really inspired by Sean's story in many ways. It's about trying to take some of the best practice from mainstream into alternative provision schools that have historically struggled to recruit at the same rates as mainstream schools. So we recruit fantastic middle leaders who might be listening to this podcast and we take them um, on a career journey. They take their first senior leadership post in a school for excluded students, that's a people referral unit, an AP school, um, where they join that senior leadership team. Those schools are typically good and outstanding, but they bring this, this leader, the difference leader, their expertise in teaching and learning, and they help that leadership team improve outcomes for excluded pupils. Now, whilst they're there on the ground, they are working with the most vulnerable children. Excluded children, ten times, like, ten times more likely to have mental health problems. They're much more likely to be interacting with social services. So our difference leaders are working with a really concentrated, concentrated group of need. And they're learning much more about um, how to work multi-agency, about what specific interventions are really effective in that school context. And they're also getting bespoke leadership training from the difference. And then at the end of the two-year programme, we support our difference leaders' career trajectory to get them back into mainstream school in deputy head positions, where they can essentially um, take on the types of position that Sean was in at Thomas Tallis, um, where he wasn't... Um, what he was able to do as a deputy head teacher was to coordinate all different parts of the school to really target um, reducing behaviour incidences um, that were kind of flaring up in different parts of the school that, that were improving attendance. And I'm speaking for him. I mean, Sean... You know, well, one of the things that occurs to me is interesting in this is that you know, it sounds like, on the one hand, a hugely rewarding thing to do, mm. but I'd imagine quite challenging as well. You know, what is it that attracts people to this sort of programme, to, to do this sort of work, would you say, Sean? Um, I think picking up on what um, Kieran was saying a moment ago, there there is a... I think a relatively well-established kind of career trajectory that is based around the achievement and progress agenda, and around becoming a uh, becoming a middle a middle leader, a curriculum leader, and and the the routes that that then lays out for you um, in, in 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 terms of aspiration into deputy head. But but in terms of progression. 
beyond um, beyond head of year and within the role of Senko and and the, the, there's an there's an element in which those those roles don't necessarily um, have quite such a clear trajectory and in particular a clear set of training which you can be part of that would support you to move into a successful deputy head role acknowledging and supporting across a whole school learning needs well-being needs safeguarding needs and coordinating that and I think for those teachers who would be, you know, potentially like me, however many years ago it was, I was a, a head of geography in Barking and Dagenham and thinking that this isn't, you know, I want to do something different in my career. This is a really exciting opportunity to actually have an entirely new career experience and a, and a set of training and support to, for you to return to mainstream um, with, a, with a really, really... Um, valuable skill set that otherwise you wouldn't um, have. And I think it harks back as well. It's really, it's about social justice. It's about why did you become a teacher in the first place? Most teachers became teachers um, because they really want to work with children and improve their life chances and be an important person in their lives. And actually, we're seeing a retention crisis, partly because in some schools people feel jaded, as though they're not necessarily doing that. And as though they haven't got the training and the expertise to do that. Um, but I think when we see the best head teachers, those people have a really clear belief about what they think it means to run a school and what they think teaching looks like. Um, and what we're trying to do is essentially catch those people in the early parts of their careers and give them the community, give them the expertise and give them the leadership experience that will allow them to go from being a, a kind of maybe lost professional wondering what's my purpose to actually through working in these fantastic and really exciting varied schools get a sense of yeah this is what I think um, a school could look like if I were to lead it and this is how it would serve all of its students including the most vulnerable and I really think back to myself you know with my sisters adopted and knowing that they were getting kicked out of lessons that the same teachers who came to me in the staff room were like oh he's awful he's unteachable they were the same teachers thinking that about my sisters you know and actually realizing it's it's not it's not something that's someone else's problem that actually children who have social workers are much more likely to be kicked out of school that children who've been bereaved been abused are much more likely to to fall out of the system actually it can be my issue my problem and I can be part of changing that be it for the relationship with the five students in my classroom in an AP school or actually for a whole community of, of students that I lead as a head teacher later in my career and I get a sense whilst you're talking about kind of individual leaders and mm. as an organization organization work of individual people is there a sense that those people then kind of go go back and, and change the culture of the school so they have that wider impact is that part of the work you're talking about yeah here? absolutely I mean so, so from my kind of I suppose experience working in Thomas Hallis and certainly the way that we have um, set up the different leaders the different leaders training program and um, a really good understanding of what inclusion is and the idea that inclusion, um, by its very name and nature, means everyone um, within a school. A recognition that every student in a school has learning, well-being and safeguarding needs. And actually that, that recognition is what underpins, in part, the, 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 the fundamental purpose of the support that, that every school community 
should have. And, and, and of that, there are a whole set of systems which, which, the school, which a school will operate within those different strands and supporting in relation to, to behaviour and recognition around safeguarding, etc. Those systems are, are the inclusion systems. But actually, it doesn't matter how well defined those systems are, how well understood those systems are by by people, how well they're, they're articulated. If there isn't an inclusive culture, a belief within the school in the purpose of that that inclusion work, then those systems won't be effective. And it's the two things together. It's the it's the development of practical expertise around inclusive systems, but that needs to be paired up with a real belief and 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 and. and understanding of what an inclusive what value an inclusive culture brings to actually make those two things work there's going to be people listening to this thing actually this sounds fascinating this yeah. sounds exactly the kind of thing i want to do help me in my career will help me be better what i do how do they go about finding out more Let, let's make sure we, we get yeah, a chance to help them do that well um they can go to www.the-difference.com um, first off, and have a little browse about the research that we talked about, about the case studies that we've talked about, teachers and the training options available. Um, but we should say that the difference is in its pioneer cohort this year in London. Um, so we're working in Greater London, and next year we'll also work uh, across broader the South, some some other local authorities bordering London. But we'll also be moving to the North, and we'll be working in Yorkshire and the Humber and the Northwest. Um, so basically look us up and you could be part of our second Pioneer cohort. Yeah, and look out for the Include Ed conference, which mm. is... October. The, which oh. will be uh, November and October yes. um, in 2019. Uh, one, in the, one in London, one in the North, um, and tickets for that um, will be... There'll be a link for that on our website as well. And that's a day's CPD uh, where you get to meet fantastic leaders, hear best practice from across the country... Um, and really gain an insight into both what's the challenge facing vulnerable children, but also what could you as a practitioner do about it? The School Leadership Podcast, next time. And that is all the ground covered in this episode of the podcast. Thank you ever so much for listening throughout the year. We look forward to welcoming you back in September when we'll hear about an interesting project that's helping schools and children to play their part when it comes to tackling climate change. Now, to make sure you get all the future episodes of the podcast from NAHT and NAHT Edge, don't forget to subscribe. Click on that on iTunes. And also, while you're at it, leave a review, because it would be great to hear from you, get your comments, your thoughts, and your feedback. Naturally, getting the podcast on Android devices, absolutely no problem at all. Just look for the School Leadership Podcast on Spotify. NAHT is a professional association and union for school leaders. NAHT Edge is the part of our association aimed specifically at aspirational middle leaders. To discover more about the benefits of being an NAHT Edge or NAHT member, go online to nahtedge.org.uk forward slash join or www.naht.org.uk forward slash join. There's also our Twitter accounts, our handles on there, at NAHT Edge and NAHT News. In the meantime, have a wonderful summer break. We'll see you next academic year. Hold up. 